G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. To give some context before we get into what happened, my name is Oliver. I'm currently 22 years old. My brothers are named Ethan, currently 24 years old, and James, currently 20 years old. I now live in Texas in the US. This happened to us sometime in the summer of 2011. We grew up in a very rural area of Galicia, Spain. We're British by blood, but Spanish by culture. Growing up, our parents were pretty neglectful. They were alcoholics, and their idea of raising us was ensuring that we had a place to sleep and not much else. They also tended to leave us alone for long periods of time while they were out on their booze cruises. So, we had grown accustomed to taking care of ourselves. I mean, Ethan practically became a father to me and James, and even now I think to go to him first when I have a problem. It all started though one week in the summer of 2011. Our parents left us 20 euros for food and told us that they would see us soon and they left. Like I said earlier, we were used to this and it didn't bother us as much as it should have I suppose. Our parents would shut off the water supply or not pay the bill while they weren't home. Either way, we'd end up with no running water. But there was a lake three, maybe four kilometers away from our house. And after a couple of days with our parents gone, we were starting to smell a bit. We knew a little private area covered by trees where Ethan would make us all bathe and where we'd wash our clothes the best that we could. We got there, stripped down to our birthday suits, and washed our clothes before leaving them in the sun to dry. After we hung our clothes on a tree, we got into the water and washed our bodies as much as we were able to without soap. Once we were as clean as we could get, we went back to get our clothes. We walked to our little hidden tree and found that our clothes were all missing. I started freaking out. To get back home, we'd have to walk four kilometers completely naked... And I mean, what if we were seen by someone from school, right? I was just at that awkward stage of school and puberty and life in general, and I didn't want to be known as the boy who had to bathe at the lake because our parents didn't care about us. Ethan, he calmed me down though, said that our clothes must have been taken by someone either watching us or stumbling upon them and pulling a prank. Either way, he told us that we had to pretend that it didn't bother us, if they were watching, he didn't want them to feel like they'd won or whatever. He knew a way home that we could take as well. It was longer, probably double the normal way. It was through the forest though, but it avoided walking past any roads or houses, so we thought that it was the safer choice. And after walking for what felt like an eternity, we had no choice but to take a break. James was tired, and my feet were terribly sore so we needed to rest before finishing our journey home. By this point, it was getting dark out, but in all honesty, we were sort of thankful for the nighttime or the dark. Though, we decided that it was best that we didn't wait too long. Even though we didn't mind the dark, we thought that it was best that we went stuck walking home at night. 
and just as we were about to start walking once more, we heard something moving. It sounded pretty big. I assumed it was a badger or some other animal, but Ethan was convinced that he saw a man walking ahead of us. He told us to stick close together. He grabbed the nearest rock and sharpest stick that he could find, and we went to investigate. Now, keep in mind, at this point, Ethan was 13, I was 11, and James was 9. None of us had hit our puberty growth spurt, and we were all pretty relatively small kids. All of this, plus, we still had no clothes, and apart from nearby sticks and rocks, we had no way of protecting ourselves. James and I stood close together, hugging each other, hoping whatever Ethan had seen was just his imagination. We searched around for maybe five minutes or so when James completely froze and started quietly hyperventilating. We looked at him and he pointed to the distance where we saw three men standing, just staring at us. Now, this is where our memories differ a little. I can distinctly remember what they looked like. Tall, big, muscly men, smiling and staring directly at us. Ethan swears on his soul that they were tall but very thin with faces that were difficult to make out and almost inhuman looking. James remembers a, a sort of combination of Ethan's and mine memories. Tall, muscly, almost faceless, staring directly at us. But whatever the case, we turned and we ran. We had maybe three kilometers left to get back, but we didn't stop until we reached our house this time. We got in, we slammed the door behind us, we went around making sure every window was closed and there was no way that they would be able to follow us in. None of us could sleep that night. We all just huddled together in the living room, praying that the time would move faster and daylight would come. Eventually, we all fell asleep though from exhaustion. Now... This is the part that I usually leave out whenever I tell this story to friends. We woke up though to a loud bang coming from the front door. I remember feeling my heart burst from my chest and we slowly and quietly creeped around to see who or what was at our front door. I remember praying and reaching out for God asking for protection at this point, but it wasn't whoever or whatever we saw that night before. It was actually our parents home and half sober and for the first time I felt thankful that they were back though I wouldn't for long. I immediately knew that they'd been arguing. My mum's makeup was running down her face and you could see the anger in my dad's eyes. He asked us where our clothes were and we tried to explain but obviously he didn't believe us. He was furious that he would have to spend his hard-earned money and on new clothes for us ungrateful boys. He walked up to Ethan and told him that if he ever came back again and James and I weren't properly taken care of, that Ethan was going to be kicked out. I don't ever tell anyone that last bit, even though none of us have spoken to our parents since like late 2018. And even though Ethan tells me that it was never our fault, I always feel so guilty looking back on when my dad did that to him. My dad never raised a hand to me or James. He would take his anger out on Ethan and Ethan alone. I hate talking about it, but I just felt like I needed to get it out. Thanks for listening and here's to never going through something like that ever again. Growing up, my school was about 5 kilometers from my home. 
I had to walk it too because my parents would work until like 7pm every day. But the walk would go through a huge forest. I can probably count the number of times I encountered anyone through this forest on one hand. But this specific time has always stuck in my head and looking back, I think that I may have seen a, a kidnapping or some children trying to escape a kidnapping at least. I was 12, it was late springtime and pretty hot out. I was on my way home and had probably been walking for one maybe two kilometers when I noticed a group of boys walking my way. The boys had no clothes at all and were carrying what looked to be like a bat, the animal not the sports equipment. There were three of them, two were around the same age as me, one looked a little bit younger but they looked flushed and sweaty as if they'd been running or walking for a while. They were almost dragging the younger boy along as he seemed like he needed to rest. I, though, just sort of froze and looked at them confused. They were speaking a language that I didn't understand. I can speak both Spanish and English, so it was neither of them. The two older boys had olive skin with dark hair, while the younger one was more pale and blonde. One of the older boys tried to talk to me, but as I said, I couldn't understand whatever language they were speaking. I said to him in both Spanish and English, no, I can't understand. He seemed confused, but he didn't waste any time. He pointed at the big one liter water bottle that I had in my backpack side pocket and shook his fist by his chest as if he was begging me and I gave him the bottle. He made sure the younger boy drank first. They finished off the water that I had left in there and nodded their heads as if to say thank you before carrying on their way that they were going before. I kept on walking home but I felt really creeped out by whatever I had just witnessed. After another kilometer or two I then saw a man. He was tall and thin and looked to be maybe in his late 20s or early 30s. He was pale but pale in a way that he looked like ill or sick maybe. Looking back I, I think he may have been on something but that didn't click for me at the time. When I saw him I tried to keep my head down and keep walking but he stopped me. In broken Spanish he said to me that he was looking for his little brothers. They were lost and asked if I had seen them. I shook my head. He said thank you and carried on walking. I tried my hardest to walk normally but as soon as he was out of eyesight I ran and I didn't stop running until I reached my home. Once my parents got home, I told them what had happened. They shrugged it off and told me that I shouldn't worry. When I insisted that I was serious, my dad promised me that he would call the police in the morning and tell them what I had seen. If my dad did call them, I, I was never called in for further questioning. No police asked me for descriptions or anything. But my dad swears that he reported it. I have my doubts, but I just wish that they would have taken me seriously at the time. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now... All you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. What comes to mind when you picture the perfect roommate? One who comes when you call? One who doesn't forget to lock the doors? One who doesn't steal your milk just a little bit at a time, hoping you won't notice? At Apartments.com, they understand that. When it comes to roommates, a pet can be your best bet. They're easygoing, eat what you serve them, and never clog the toilet. That's why they have the most pet-friendly rental listings on the internet. And with instant alerts, you'll know the moment your perfect, pet-friendly place becomes available. So, when you need a place that's pet-friendly and human-tolerant, check out Apartments.com, the place to find your pet-friendly place. It was a cold October night around 11pm when me and my buddy were cruising and stopped to take a smoke break. We got out of a car in a secluded area in a small village called Morsel. The place that we walked to was next to a dark running bike track sort of thing which entered a forest. We sat down on a bench outside the tree line smoking our well, special cigarettes under the subtle light of the moon. A remarkable thing about this spot was that it is located in view, within 50 meters, of the horror house of Morsel. In 1996, three people were brutally murdered in there and it has since been sealed up. It's well known that the interior is untouched since that time. A documentary was made about this, that's how I know this info. But here's the other thing that I know. The two murderers are already released from jail. And by the time of my incident, well, one was let go from prison just months before. So, back to the bench. After 10 to 15 minutes, our eyes were able to see better in the dark and I started looking towards the dark path running in the forest. Between the trees, I swore that I saw something which I thought was a bag or a mask on a rope hanging from a branch at maybe eye height. Obviously, I immediately told my friend and he agreed about the conclusion. But after moving a few steps closer and focusing our eyesight, we saw that it was a grown man with like a bag or a mask on his head. In the dark, he was standing in some bushes and we saw the movement of his breathing and that he was wearing regular boomer clothes. First, we quietly told each other, said, what the heck, and confirmed we both saw exactly the same thing. A reminder too that this person was standing like 10 meters away from us and this is for like 10 to 15 minutes in pitch black darkness. Then we were looking at him for another minute until I started yelling at him. Just yelled things like, hey come out. I did this despite being spooked by the strange experience. That's just how I am. He then raised his hand in a motion of aiming a gun and we ran back to the car as fast as we could. Looking behind my shoulder, we saw that he kept his arm located at us, but we couldn't make out if he had an actual gun or if it was just a bluff. After getting out of there though and recollecting, we did realize one more very disturbing thing. The guy did not want to mess with two adult young males. In the daylight, a lot of people traverse this place by bike or on foot, so one of the possibilities is that 
This crazy guy was going to intercept a lone person in the wrong place at the wrong time. This all started when we went to visit my granddad from my mum's side over in Indiana. It's a 10 hour car ride from where we live so we only visit once a year usually for Thanksgiving. We could just take a plane but I have four sisters so on top of me and my parents it's just too expensive to buy tickets for everyone. Anyway, we arrived and everything went about as well as it usually does. My granddad sat in front of his TV in his recliner and responded with two-word sentences whenever we tried to socialize with him. On our second day there, I had pretty much had it. Between being stuck in a car with them for 10 hours and sleeping together on air mattresses in the basement, I needed some fresh air from my family. My granddad lives in a very small neighborhood, maybe five houses including his, and the rest is just a vast expansion of people's farmland. The nearest grocery store was a 25-minute drive away, so when I say he lives in the middle of nowhere, he quite literally lives in the middle of nowhere. The silver lining to this is it's extremely quiet and offers some of the best walks or runs you can have if you pop your headphones in and run alongside the fields. Bored out of my mind and with nothing else to do, I packed three water bottles, my favorite trail mix, and my extra phone battery before setting off for a mini exploring adventure. My granddad inherited a lot of land himself, but it's actually not directly connected to where his house is. We had only driven by it once, on the way to my grandma's funeral, and I decided that I wanted to walk to it and look around. It was after dinner when I left, and by the time that I got there, the sun was beginning to set. There was a tiny waist-level fence going on into the distance, but I just climbed over it and began looking around. A truck was parked opposite the road to where the plot was, but I thought little of it because I figured maybe somebody else's land was nearby or something. This is embarrassing to say as a 20-year-old as well, but the level of privacy and peacefulness I felt sitting in some soybean field after being crammed in that house with my family felt amazing. I continued walking around though and eventually had to take my phone flashlight out because it was starting to get darker at this point. I started to get a little bit lost too and with it being nighttime, I figured that I should start heading back. On my way back my foot hit something on the ground and I almost fell face first onto the dirt. I got up pointing my flashlight at the ground confused at what I saw. But when I realized what it was though I put my hands on my knees and I started dry heaving over the ground. It was a dead animal or should I say animals but they were like combined. It was a dead rabbit, but someone had stitched what looked like the bottom of a deer's leg under it, and some sort of mutilated wings were sewn onto the lower back part of it. Lying next to it was what I think was another rabbit, but it was honestly so torn up I couldn't really tell. It was also partially wrapped up in what looked like plastic wrap, like the kitchen kind. I tried to keep it together, but I ended up spilling my guts all over my shoes. My disgust turned to fear too when I heard crunching and someone calling out a name in the distance. They said Curtis. I felt like I had just got shot up with meth because I knew damn well nobody was supposed to be on my granddad's private property after dark, especially near those dead animals in the middle of nowhere. I had so much adrenaline pumping through my body that... 
I ran faster than I even knew I could, exiting out of the field and running down the road. The truck was still there while I was running and I thought of trying to snap a picture of the license plate but they had some sort of covering over them. By the time that I got home I was out of breath and freaking out so my granddad and dad asked me what happened. I told him that there were people on this property on the farmland and said that we should call the police but he waved me off saying that it would take them 20 minutes to get there anyway and they would probably be gone already. I didn't tell them about the animals because, in all honesty, I mean, would you believe that? But I did decide that tomorrow I would show my dad so they knew that I saw what I saw. The next morning I said that we should really make sure that they were gone and so we drove off to look. We took my granddad's shotgun with us and when we got there, surprise surprise, the truck was now gone. But my hope shot up though when there were tiny flecks of blood leading into the field in the direction of where I tripped over the animals. We followed it to the small opening in the field and laying there was a single intact squirrel with its belly cut next to a pile of my vomit. The things that I saw though were now moved. At that point I knew that telling my dad what I saw was pretty much pointless because he would think that it was just the squirrel and I was just scared. In fact, he actually laughed at me when I said that I was the one who vomited. He said that the people last night were probably just some kids trespassing and we went back home without speaking about it ever again. To this day, I'm still deeply unsettled and disturbed by what I saw that night. I don't know why someone did that to those animals and I don't even want to know what it was for. What almost frightens me even more though than the animals is the fact that I wasn't alone that night in the field. I only know that two people were there, but the truck that they had could have at least held four, maybe even eight if people hopped in the back bed of the truck. All I know is that I'm glad that I didn't have to find out, but I really want to say that it was some kind of cult ritual offering or something, but I read in a psych or sociology paper that that's not an actual thing that happens. At the same time though, I mean... What else could it have been? Either way, I'll never be able to get the image out of my head and I just pray to God whoever did it never runs into another person in a field at night and gets caught. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So about a, a year and a half ago, I was 16 and I'd taken a job as babysitting my aunt's dog in the Bronx while she was away on business. I don't exactly know the breed, but this dog was a powerhouse, more than capable of taking someone down. Her name is Dolly. I had to introduce myself to her in my aunt's presence to ensure that she knew who I was before showing up alone later, and I was told to walk her about four times a day. She's very well trained, doesn't bark really, which was what makes this encounter more creepy. 
You see, it was late, like 2am, and she adorably woke me up for a walk by digging her nose into my arm. When we began our walk, it was really dark out. You wouldn't be able to see anyone's face from a few feet away. The streets were empty, but that's expected at 2am. In this suburban kind of area in the Bronx, the sidewalks are very narrow. You can't walk down them in twos. Dolly was slow because she liked to smell literally every molecule on the sidewalk. But there was a man who was walking down the same sidewalk as us, maybe about 10 feet behind us. Dolly went off the sidewalk to where the grass was to sniff a tree. I knew with her that it could take years to be done with so much, so I kind of signaled the man who was a lot closer now to go on by, and I stepped off the narrow sidewalk onto the grass. And I was right. Dolly took forever sniffing this tree. I mean, I genuinely think it was about 10 to 15 minutes. I didn't have a problem with it taking long, being that I was listening to good music with AirPods and watching her go around this tree was an enjoyable sight. But then, all of a sudden, Dolly begins barking ferociously at something behind me. It really startled me too because it was so abrupt and I had never seen her bark like that. I quickly turned around to see what would make her do this and there was that same man... He hadn't gone any more forward in the direction that he was coming in since I signaled him to pass me, still about five feet away. He was on his phone. He was standing there just looking at me. Dolly, though, was going crazy at him, and he had little to no reaction. And now that I got a closer look at him, he was really tall, taller than me, and I'm 6'3". He was bald, and his face was expressionless, although half of it was covered by the darkness of the night. I realized that the dude must have stood there staring at me for maybe 10 to 15 minutes now. He definitely wasn't trying to talk to me in that time because my music wasn't that loud and I would have heard him. And I don't think he was admiring the dog because even with her barking his eyes were zoned on me. We had about maybe a 10 second moment of staring at each other in the face. And normally I would have asked him if he needed something but I just had the worst feeling. He right away reminded me of Dancing Tall Smiley Man Creepypasta story, which I think was the cause of my fear for the moment. I turned from him and I felt safe with the ginormous dog next to me. I took my AirPods out of my ears so that I could hear if he followed. Dolly walked with me, but her eyes stayed on him the whole time. And instead of continuing down the same street, I crossed the block and as I started to do this, I kid you not that this man absolutely sprinted in the opposite direction that he was originally heading in. The sound of his feet rapidly hitting the floor sent an uppercut to my guts. I quickly turned around and watched him do this. He ran as if his life depended on it. I watched him run until he turned the corner and was out of view. I held Dolly's leash tight and hurried back to the house. I don't think he followed but Dolly kept looking back and growling and when we got back I locked the door and made sure Dolly slept in bed with me. To be honest, I don't know what the heck was going on that night, but the whole thing was just really weird. Several years back, I was cleaning out my house. I was renting a house for a year and the year was almost up at this point. I wasn't going to be living there the next year, so it was time for me to start cleaning out and moving my stuff out to my next place. 
The house that I had at the time was fairly small, but it was plenty of space for just me. I lived there by myself, and I just finished cleaning out the living room, other than some basic furniture, and I had moved on to clean the kitchen. There were quite a few cabinets here, so many that I didn't use a good number of them. I was looking through some of the ones that I didn't use to make sure that there was nothing that I had in them, and one of them opened up and I saw something in the back corner. It looked like some type of shirt or rag or something, so I grabbed it and saw that I didn't think that it was mine, but when I moved it, it revealed a smaller white lever that I could barely see. The cabinet was in the corner, sort of by the sink and halfway blocked by the stove. I thought that it was just another pipe to be honest at first, but it just looked like a little different to me I guess. I got inside and had to crawl inside the cabinet, which was pretty large. Once I got inside, I saw that there was a small trapdoor to the side, leading into the wall. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I mean, you had to be completely inside in order to see the detail of it, and I decided to open the door, which led to an extremely narrow hallway with a sort of crawl space. But when I got further inside, I was completely horrified because... I saw that there was food as well as several blankets, as if someone had been living inside of there the whole time. The good news, at least to me, is that whoever was in there was gone. I tried to make sense of it and figure out how long the person had been there and how I didn't know about this. I was gone from the house a lot with work and other stuff, but I just didn't know how it was possible for someone to live in there without me knowing. I continued cleaning until it got pretty late and the next day after work I continued. I was still kind of in shock with finding a secret room in my house and I decided to look at it once again. I opened the cabinet and went inside, then I pulled the lever open just like I had the previous day. But this time, as soon as I opened it, I saw movement and then saw a person for a split second. They slammed the door back shut on me and I immediately turned and ran all the way out of my house to my car and then called the police. I was so scared that I started driving away as well and I told the police the whole situation and they came to my house a short time later to find that whoever had been there was now gone. Luckily for me, I moved out the next week but I really don't know how long the person had been living in the secret room like that. Thankfully, it never gave me a problem, but still, I potentially had been living in a house with another person that I didn't even know for quite some time. So, I've lurked here and commented before, and I've been asked to share some stories as well. For some background, I worked as a cop for several years before becoming a ranger, I've been a ranger in a large US national park for a while now and have some things that uh, I'll never forget. Creepy things and things that show the brutality and hatred humans are capable of. So, I was on night shift. I patrolled the park looking for any type of illegal activity like drug use, prostitution, poaching. I got a call for a man looking into a cabin where a summer camp was going on. So, great, probably some creep just hassling some kids. I blacked out, no headlights or sirens, parked a little ways down and walked in hopes of catching this guy. 
and sure as heck, Homie was looking in windows. I start my approach and flick on my flashlight and told him not to move and show me his hands. He turns around and looks at me and starts saying that he's sorry. I put him in handcuffs and detained him while I searched him and waited for backup. I found his ID, a knife and some miscellaneous things. I put him into another officer's vehicle while I made contact with the counsellors. They stated that they had seen him earlier in the day but thought nothing of it. After taking statements, I run his name. And yep, he's a registered sex offender. I opened the door to talk to him and not my proudest moment, but I was tired. He was looking at little kids and I said, What do you think you were going to do, you sick weirdo? And... He looked me in my eyes, no reaction, and said to me in a cold, monotone voice, I was able to smell them. They're ready to breed, officer. I didn't know what to say to that, so I just closed the door. I stayed on the scene for the rest of the night to ease everyone's mind and act as a deterrent. Obviously, he ended up being charged, but thinking about what he said and the way that he said it still makes me feel sick. He's now banned and I believe still in prison, where I believe creeps like him should stay forever, but he ruined a great outdoor experience and may have scarred these poor kids from camping, hiking, fishing or hunting and just enjoying the outdoors for life. I could go on about some of the awful people and stuff that I've heard, seen and even responded to, but cases involving children in any way, they are just the worst. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one.